Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is Make It Kind. Make It Kind. M-I-P. With Massimella Mark Thompson. Make It Kind. Get woke. Ladies and gentlemen, happy to have back with us. He's not been with us for some time, but he has been working hard on a very important issue that we know is very, very critical to all of us, and that, of course, is gun reform. How were attitudes regarding gun reform reflected in the election on November 3rd? He's going to tell us all about it. Of course, he's the author of Guns Down Book and also the executive director of GunsDownAmerica.org. Igor Volsky joins us back. Igor, how you been, man? Mark, always a pleasure to be with you. Doing well. Yes, sir. Glad to have you. So tell us um, how advocates, or I should say voters, in favor of gun reform showed up on November 3rd. So, Mark, if you look at the exit poll numbers, uh, the story they tell is a nation ready for gun reform. So, for instance, 58% of voters in uh, Pennsylvania and Georgia said they wanted to see stricter gun laws. Uh, The numbers are similar in places like Wisconsin and Michigan. Nationally, 53% of voters in those exit polls said that gun laws need to be stricter. Uh, And you look at the other side of the equation, the argument that no, uh, we need to actually loosen our gun laws or make guns more available. Uh, About 10% of voters agreed with that position. So um, across exit polls, uh, voters tell us they want to see tougher gun laws. And also nationally, if you step back away from this election, we have years and years and years of polling data 
that tell us that 90% of Americans want to expand background checks to every single uh, gun purchase. So, you know, Americans have supported stricter gun laws for years. And of course, the challenge, as you know, has been pushing politicians to actually prioritize the lives of their constituents ahead of um, uh, other interests in, in, in gun manufacturers in the NRA and so on and so forth. So do, has the administration since the election uh, signaled they are acknowledging the mandate that you're asserting that voters are demanding? Well, look, this administration ran on the most comprehensive gun reform agenda probably in presidential history. Uh, they really looked at this issue holistically, right? How do we regulate the gun industry that's producing uh, ever more powerful weapons? Uh, how do we make firearms harder to get? Um, and then how do we invest directly in the communities that are most impacted by gun violence? Um, and that was incredibly impressive. Uh, what the administration is talking about now uh, is their initial priorities, which, uh, which relate to uh, COVID-19, the economy, climate change. All of those things, Mark, are obviously incredibly important. But I guess the argument that I'm making is that you can't tackle COVID-19 and the impacts of COVID-19 without addressing gun violence, because in 2020, gun violence has increased pretty dramatically in terms of suicides, in terms of homicides, in terms of unintentional shootings, in terms of mass shootings. All of that is related, at least in part, to the economic stress folks are feeling, uh, to the deterioration we've seen in mental health uh, across this country. Uh, and so my argument to the administration would be that as you think about um, how do you get people back to work, how do you ensure that people have access to health care, particularly mental health care, uh, you also need to think about how do we deal as a country with uh, the spike in gun deaths and the spike that is coming, Mark, in terms of suicides uh, all across this country. Uh, the way we, we deal with gun reform is we begin to weave, weave the issue into, um, into other priorities because it's part of the other challenges that the administration is facing um, and, and really the top priorities that the administration is, is going to be addressing starting January 20th. Yeah, no, it, 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 really, it really has to be. Um, you mentioned the priorities, and obviously, there were outspoken priorities November 3rd. Um, there wasn't a lot of conversation, a lot of chatter about gun reform um, leading up to November 3rd. I mean, the, the priorities were COVID and the economy and other things and, and racial reckoning. And as you mentioned, guns touch on all those subjects. But tell me if I'm wrong, for it not to have been as high on the list of priorities outspokenly for voters November 3rd, yet still be so resounding in the exit polls, it shows that it, no matter what, it's on people's minds, it's still front of mind, and the work organizations like yours are doing are keeping it 
on people's minds. Isn't that what that really means? Yeah, I think we're in a place with gun violence where Americans all across the country uh, know individuals who have been victims of gun violence, whether it be suicide, whether it be homicide, whether it be an unintentional shooting, whether it be a mass shooting. Um, you know, we, we talked before the pandemic about this real notion that American parents have about worrying whether or not their child will come back safe from the mall or from a concert or from school. Uh, a lot of that, I think, is the result of just the, the incredible energy and advocacy we saw after the Parkland shooting. Um, and so it's a genie you really can't put back into the bottle, that anxiety that Americans have, that's now part of our national fabric. Um, and that's really, I think, Mark, the result of having so many firearms in circulation, more guns than people, and the fact that those guns are so easy to get. Of course, the central challenge now, as, as we've discussed, um, is that we're in a place where uh, we've sold in 2020, here we are sitting in mid-November 2020, we've sold about 73% uh, more firearms. I should say we ran about 73% more background checks this year at this point compared to last year. So Americans responding to a lot of the anxieties related to COVID, related to instability, are uh, going out and they're buying firearms. That creates a whole host of new problems and frankly, a whole host uh, of new dangers and worries that this administration is going to have to deal with and is going to have to deal with head on, frankly, starting on day one. So so they have to make it a priority. Um, let's do this, though. Gun sales up, background checks up. You mentioned suicides. Yeah. And, and so we really don't we um, have to take more into consideration um, suicides or gun suicides related to COVID? Is that what we're talking about? Yeah, and look, th th that data is is still um, is still a little sketchy because the way you know the government collects data on firearm deaths in general um, is uh, is is fairly delayed. So there's about a year or two year delay in official government numbers, which is insane that that's how it works. But uh, that's that's still the case. That's another area where this administration um, can, can really modernize the process. But what we've heard, at least anecdotally, uh, in certain areas of the country, is uh, about uh, suicides doubling, tripling in certain areas. Uh, we've seen a lot of numbers, Mark, about suicides in young black men increasing um, and increasing dramatically. That's a surprise uh, to many criminologists who for years have pointed to data showing that firearm suicides are really concentrated in rural areas with white men. Um, now some of that seems to be changing. That's incredibly troubling. Um, you also bring in the reality of uh, frontline healthcare workers going through just mental anguish and trauma that's related to COVID. Those suicide numbers are likely to increase. I mean, you talk to suicide experts and they tell you uh, that they're expecting a wave of suicides 
in, in the healthcare industry in the weeks, months, and years ahead based on the trauma that they've suffered dealing with COVID and treating patients with COVID. So look, this is a serious issue. And I think the president-elect and the vice president-elect need to use their bully pulpit to start educating Americans about the dangers of firearm ownership because firearms are innately dangerous in almost anybody's hands. And Americans need to know the risk of purchasing a firearm. And if they still choose to purchase that, that firearm, right, if they weigh the risk and the perceived reward, they need to understand how to properly store that firearm, how to make sure uh, their children don't find that firearm, how to make sure they don't have easy access to that firearm, particularly if, if they're going through, th through, through, through depression or, or some other kinds of uh, hardships. This is a message that the administration needs to deliver clearly. In fact, it has a responsibility to do so. Well, and you and I touched on this before too. Uh, uh, the administration elect for all of its intent, which is beautiful, healing the nation, emphasizing to people that wearing masks is for themselves as individuals and their neighbors. It's a patriotic duty. And I think you and I teased around the meme, uh, guns down, masks up, the last time we talked. Um, I wish you would market it. Because I mean, I think the two go hand in hand. And we talk about patriotic duty and safety and, and, and being concerned about our fellow Americans, um, you need to put that mask on and you need to put that gun down or put it up or not buy it or whatever you need to do. I, I, I think safety is safety is safety. Am I, am I wrong about that? You know, Mark, we talk about, and the administration talks about following the advice of scientists, following the best medical practices to ensure you keep yourself safe, you keep your community safe from COVID. And my argument is we should do the same when it comes to gun ownership. And almost all of the research when it comes to owning a gun tells us that there's a much higher risk that you will use that gun against yourself, that that gun will be used against you, that that gun will be used in some kind of unintentional uh, accident. The risks of, of those catastrophes is so much higher than you using that firearm in self-defense. The statistics, Mark, for self-defense is in less than 1% of instances where you're in some kind of altercation with someone who's doing you harm, does an individual successfully use a gun to defend themselves in less than 1%. The probability that you could be safer running away from that incident is actually higher. So if we're gonna be a people who embrace science again, who believe in uh, rigorous evidence-based research, then that has to apply uh, across issues, particularly when it comes to the reality and the dangers of firearm ownership. You know, I, I, I agree. But what about this too, though? You know, the Proud Boys, Boogaloo, Million MAGA um, uh, march, and as someone who participated 
in the Million Man March, that is quite paradoxical to me <laughs> because you're gonna take something that black men who you would seem to loathe use and then make it your own. But anyway, be that as it may. Um, the other thing that's been going on, Igor, is that these guys with these guns bind them up and they're gonna seize the country and even threaten civil war and restore Donald Trump to the presidency. The other thing people have been talking about is how it was a lot of wolf tickets. You know, the, I think the violence everyone was bracing for has yet to happen. And a part of that too is it not how these these guns and this these possession of guns are still somehow for some of these guys um, about their self esteem and about their their manhood, and they may not do anything with them, even if they threaten to. But still, even for them, what you're talking about is saving them because even for those bozos, they buy it. Rah rah! I got my I'm holding my phallus in my hand with this gun. But then I'm going to take it home and then somebody might get hurt in my house just because I need to prove my boogaloo, proud boy, million mega manhood. Right. Yeah. You know, Mark, to to speak uh, generally, um, I think in uh, extremist communities, it's difficult to divorce the politics of white privilege and the politics of resentment away from gun ownership, right? They go hand in hand. The firearm is what gives the individual the power to subjugate other people to their will. There's a long history of that in the United States. The firearm was initially used in the United States or then in the colonies to subjugate Africans who were brought over here as slaves. Then they were used to clear the land uh, as the nation expanded westward. Um, firearms were used to, uh, to, to kill and murder uh, indigenous people. So there's a great history, not a great history, there's a sad history um, in the United States of using guns to ensure that other people comply with, um, with, 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 with your will. And in 2020, there's really been a rise in this belief that um, individuals have the power to overthrow their government, to uh, force and intimidate democratically elected lawmakers. We saw it first in January of this year when we, you, you, you had thousands uh, of uh, mostly white men clad in uh, in 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 um, you know in in all kinds of uh, military like garb, intimidating democratically elected lawmakers in the state of Virginia who were considering uh, gun reform bills. We saw it later on in April and May of this year when you saw armed intimidators uh, trying to convince or trying to intimidate really democratically elected lawmakers. Uh, to, um, to, to lift the, the quarantine restrictions prematurely. We saw it this summer at Black Lives Matter protests all across the country. Um, firearms were used to intimidate those protesters in over 100 events uh, across America. 
We saw it again uh, just a couple of weeks ago when folks were counting uh, the, uh, the the ballots uh, in Arizona and uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, folks showed up with firearms trying to intimidate um, those state officials. Um, we've heard of anecdotes uh, of the FBI successfully stopping plans uh, to um, to do all kind of harm around the election, arresting individuals with entire arsenal of weapons. Um, so look, I'm uh, incredibly um, happy to see that obviously that we haven't had any kind of incident, but it always feels to me, particularly with a president who screams and yells about a rigged election um, and a Republican Party who is mostly uh, going along with 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 that kind of um, with that kind of emotion. Uh, it, it feels to me like we're really a, a hair away from some kind of horrible incident happening. Um, you know, and we're also in a position where over the last over the over the past couple of years uh, of the Trump presidency, we have had multiple individuals who share Trump's grievances carry out all kinds of horrible attacks against populations and demographics that this president resents. You 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 just think to the Walmart shooting in August of 2019 in El Paso, Texas, which specifically targeted uh, Hispanic Americans. Uh, so. Um, look, you know, whenever whenever lawmakers talk about um, people rising up against uh, quarantine restrictions or, or COVID-19 restrictions, uh, they are they are taking the chance and doing so knowingly that they're going to be uh, individuals in their audience who are going to use their rhetoric to carry out violence and to cause harm. And this administration is obviously willing to take that risk time and time again. In fact, I'd go so far as to say that violence and chaos is part of the goal. It's part of the strategy. They are doing it on purpose because if they weren't, they would take a look at the harm their rhetoric has caused and they would change course, but they refuse to do that. Yeah, yeah, no, that's those are profound points. Violence and chaos are part of the goal. Um, we've also gotten the 2019 hate crime statistics, right? Yeah. And and that is telling. But but you mentioned the government and their firearm statistics and how that can be. Do we know um, when it comes to hate crimes? how to, in those hate crimes, prevalent gun violence is. Are we able to cross-match that? Yeah, so so there are statistics, so the statistics the FBI released yesterday for 2019 hate crimes um, does break out hate crimes that were carried out with a firearm. I think, uh, I think those numbers remained relatively steady from, from previous years, uh, although I'd, I'd have to take a, a more specific look. Um, but what we, what, what we do know um, is that we're now experiencing a 10-year high uh, in hate crimes overall in the United States, uh, that we are experiencing an increase in 
hate crimes against uh, Latino or Hispanic Americans. Uh, of course, in 2019, I mentioned the El Paso shooting, uh, we particularly targeted uh, that community. Um, but you know, this has been a trend. Uh, we, over the last several years, have seen those kinds of increases, have also seen um, increases uh, in violence uh, against gay men, uh, increases in violence um, against, uh, against American Jews. Um, and it's been, it's been a real problem. And again, a part of it, a part of it is a result of this president giving a permission structure for violence, giving a platform to hate groups and hate organizations and doing that purposefully. Yeah. So I'm also sure you would agree about the importance of the special election in Georgia, because the Biden administration obviously is going to need a Senate majority to get things done, because heretofore, one of the problems when it comes to gun reform is Mitch McConnell, too, isn't it? Yeah, uh, you know, this, um, uh, these two special runoff elections are going to be really consequential uh, for gun reform, for the entire agenda uh, that, that Biden really, really ran on. Um, you know, and if we were to look at, at the election results humbly, regardless of what happens in, in Georgia, the reality is for the gun issue, for the climate issue, for immigration, for all these other priorities, it's that it's going to be tough. Um, it's going to be difficult. You know, obviously, if 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 Democrats can't win the two Senate seats in Georgia, then um, it's going to be um, almost impossible uh, to to really get legislative success and, and to see it through. Um, which is why I think this administration really needs to think uh, holistically um, across government when it comes to implementing some of these key goals and responding to the mandate that voters gave them. You know, some of the early reporting we've seen is that the Biden uh, transition team has been really thoughtful in how they're going to integrate uh, climate um, uh, awareness uh, and beginning to address climate change across government agencies. Uh, they're thinking about how uh, decisions made by the by the Department of Agriculture, by the Department of Commerce, uh, can be used to address the climate crisis, um, and that's exactly the right way to think about implementing big reforms, particularly in this political climate. And I think the same needs to be done um, for gun reform as well. So what can the Department of Education do, for instance, to provide more um, mental health services to our schools? How can they educate parents about the importance of storing firearms? How can the agency within the Department of Justice be more strategic in prosecuting firearm dealers who are responsible for the majority of crime guns um, in this country. Uh, because gun violence touches so many different aspects of American life, this administration needs to be expansive in how they think about addressing it, right? How can um, uh, uh, the Department of Health and Human Services, for instance, 
think about its grant programs to ensure that it is funding city-based and community-based violence intervention programs that have been so successful in reducing cycles of violence um, and gang violence in some of our major cities. So, you know, we have for so many years talked about the need for background checks, the need for an assault weapon ban, really strengthening our nation's gun laws. Clearly, we need to continue doing that. That's important. But in the political climate where we find ourselves today, we also need to be, and this administration should be, uh, uh, really taking a cross-agency, cross-government approach when it comes to dealing with this crisis. Yeah. Igor, in closing, what would you have listeners do? Are, are you planning for people to contact the office of the president, vice president-elect, or the administration once they get in office, a, a campaign to make calls to say, hey, just a little, little nudge, as we say in the uh, electronic world. They just want to nudge you that this is a mandate and this is something that, that you ran on and this is something that needs to happen. You know, Mark, you and I first started speaking in, uh, I think 2008, maybe 2009, uh, during the period when uh, the Obama administration was trying uh, to expand um, health care reform and did so successfully. It took a while, but but we got there and we now have, have Obamacare. Um, as you know, I also worked on uh, the repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell, which was another priority. And uh, what I think we collectively learned uh, from that experience uh, is that there will certainly be a time when progressives are going to have to uh, hold the new administration accountable and pressure that administration to meet the goals that they set out for themselves and for the country as candidates. Uh, and so, look, I think we're uh, at a time when the administration is trying to implement an orderly transition. Um, they're certainly going to come uh, to office and are going to have to deal with all kinds of uh, crazy leftovers, uh, shall we call them that, uh, from, from the Trump administration. And so, look, uh, I'm all right with giving the new administration some time uh, to, to really kind of, um, uh, you know, settle in, so to speak. Uh, and deal with uh, really immediate crises uh, as they relate to COVID. Um, but certainly over time, and, and I'm sure you and I will be having more of these conversations, uh, we're going to be uh, fairly bullish in pushing uh, this administration to, to live up to its promises and to be aggressive on all fronts um, to address, to, to address this, uh, this, this crisis. Yeah. Oh, and one more thing I forgot. This is the birthday week of the NRA and people are sending electronic birthday cards, which I think is, is crazy. You have a special birthday message for the NRA. <laughs> well, Mark, I think the very best way uh, folks can celebrate 
the NRA's birthday uh, is to support the work of gun reform organizations in this country. And if they uh, want to support the work of Guns Down America, they can go to gunsdownamerica.org. Um, support our work, support the work uh, of our great colleagues. Uh, the NRA uh, is really fighting for its life. Um, and uh, we stand at an important moment in history where we can make a strong public case to the American people that it is time for us to rethink our national ownership uh, uh, of so many firearms uh, and really make the argument uh, that just like Americans, uh, as the president-elect was saying yesterday, have a patriotic duty to wear a mask to protect their community from the spread of COVID-19, uh, Americans also have a patriotic duty, I think, uh, to think twice before rushing out and purchasing a firearm because that firearm really puts their community at risk um, in much the same way. Folks, I'm sure all of you would agree. Well, first of all, we invite you to go to gunsdownamerica.org, celebrate the NRE's birthday by giving to Guns Down America. Uh, org. That would be good. Um, and as he said, they are on their last breaths. So I don't know how many more birthdays they're going to be left, um, by the way. But uh, very important information you can find there at the website. And I would hope, I would think that all of you would agree with me that Igor is one of the most intellectual, passionate, comprehensive, and articulate spokespersons on gun reform we have in America today and always appreciate uh, especially the comprehensiveness of his answers to these questions. We've learned a lot about the way this impacts different communities that we otherwise just don't get as much of in other conversations and in other media. Mark, so, let me say one, one more thing, and I, and I apologize for, for interrupting. Sure. Um, you know, we are uh, 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 quickly approaching the holiday season. Sure. Um, and what we know about the holidays traditionally and historically is that gun sales spike. And as a result, so do gun deaths. Um, we see those numbers, especially when it comes to firearm suicide. Um, as, as many Americans experience higher levels of depression around the holidays, um, and in some instances, uh, uh, take their own lives. Uh, you know, I think it's a safe bet to say um, that those numbers are going to be even higher this year, uh, especially during, during this difficult time as, as so many Americans have lost their loved ones and as so many Americans celebrate the holidays in isolation. Uh, or with a limited number of, of family members. Um, and, you know, all of us can play an important role in saving a life. Um, all of us can find um, individuals in our social circle, uh, within our family, who may be thinking about purchasing a firearm for the very first time. Maybe they're anxious about um, the tensions uh, in our country or, or about uh, the tensions and the, and the insecurities around COVID. Um, and so I would just um, really implore uh, your listeners and your viewers to um, have uh, uh, measured, thoughtful conversations uh, with 
folks in their inner circle who may be considering purchasing a firearm um, yeah. and advise them against doing that. Um, we're going to be um, really a little later this week are going to be releasing a bit of a guide for Americans to have those kinds of conversations during Thanksgiving or during the holiday season to really dissuade uh, first time uh, gun buyers or people who had never thought about buying a gun who may now be considering doing that um, to, to really rethink that decision. Uh, and so if there's one thing we can all do as we wait for this administration uh, to, to come into office and begin implementing its, uh, their agenda is to um, really uh, think, um, uh, think about those in our inner circle um, who, who, may be, um, uh, who, who may be going down the path of buying a gun um, and dissuade them. So, so um, you know, if folks go to gunsdownamerica.org in a couple of days, we'll have um, that module for how to do that. Um, but, but really, I think it's that peer-to-peer -peer conversation um, that, that is going to be so important um, in, in hopefully saving lives this holiday season. Very, very well said. And we will inform people of that as well. And that is important, especially during this holiday time. And people, let's just face, we're all going to be emotionally affected these holidays because we're going to be, if we, if we do what we're supposed to do, many of us are going to be isolated during the holidays um, and, and or quarantining with folk that we've been quarantining with too long in 2020 and get on our nerves. So we don't need guns, to, to put it practically. Y'all hear what Igor did right there? I was talking about how comprehensive he is and it triggered him to remember that issue, which is very, very important. I'm glad you you uh, reminded us of that and, and took the time to say that. Uh, Igor Volsky doing great, great work, folks. Um, we've got we've to cover a lot of bases, I know, but we don't have a choice. We've got to uh, walk and chew gum at the same time. Um, COVID is bad enough, we don't need um, um, a, a, pan, a pandemic, or as I like to say sometimes, a pistol-demic too. America suffers from a pistol-demic and a pandemic. Um, and we've got to address all of that. Please, please, please go to gunsdownamerica.org. Check out their um, guides for conversations around gun ownership and especially trying to get something during the holidays. That is not a gift. Don't go buy nobody no gun for Christmas. Lord have mercy. Please, uh, <laughs> so please uh, keep all that in mind. Igor Volsky, our dear friend, is with us. GunsDownAmerica.org. Thank you, Igor. Thank you, Mark. Always a pleasure. Yes, sir. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. Please remember to listen, like, subscribe. And wherever you get your podcasts, please give the show a five-star rating. And please do spread the word. Let's all continue to pray for each other during this pandemic and this police-demic. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.